0: Welcome to the latest episode of the EPL Roundup. I am Shabtorshi and I have Rajdeep and Rito with me discussing about some of the best games of this week. We start with the clash between Chelsea and Burnley which was held at Turf Moor on the 31st of October. Hakim Ziek scored his first Premier League goal for Chelsea as they cruised to a comfortable 3-0 win. Kurt Zouma and Timo Werner also found themselves on the score sheet in the second half. Quite a good game for Chelsea wasn't it, especially with a new goalie.
1: Yes, Frank Lampard's side have not kept four consecutive clean sheets in all competitions, and new signing Eduard Mendy is still to concede a goal since joining the club. This is certainly a relief for Chelsea fans after their serial misser Kepa has been sidelined. I mean, Chelsea fans were overjoyed with Mendy clearing a goalward across, beating the opposition player. Shows how much they have missed actually having a good goalkeeper, of capable of playing top-flight football, and they look a different side as I'm sure the t- uh,
2: the points table shows.
0: But were Burnley Burnley, ever a threat? I feel Burnley
2: were never in the contest, Chelsea's passing rendered their usual physicality and directness superfluous and Sean Dyke must be worried because he has only a point to show from 6 matches and no goals scored at home. Chelsea remained largely dominant. That being
1: said, it was rather a shaky start for the Blues as Chelsea suffered a setback 10 minutes before the kickoff after Christian Pulisic pulled out an injury and Timo Werner Burnley almost got off to a flying start when Ashley Barnes did onside to collect Matt Luton's diagonal ball behind Kurt Zuma. One would have thought he would have at least hit the target with only Mendy to beat, yet in lifting the bar over the goalkeeper. Barnes managed to clear the bar as well, one couldn't help being a little worried for Chelsea. But they were
2: quick to grab the momentum back.
0: What would you say about how Chelsea gave the pressure on?
2: See I personally loved how Warner, Kai Havertz, Reece James and Zayek bombarded the Burnley penalty area in the first half hour. They made a series of penetrating passes and crosses, both of most of which were for Tammy Abraham. The forward brought the first save from Pope with a looping header and he might have scored midway through the first half but for an alert block by Charlie Taylor. Chelsea did make the breakthrough when Abraham laid the ball off with his back towards goal. And Zayak shot first time to beat a possibly unsighted Pope from the edge of the area and register his first ever Premier League goal. By then, I'm sure Dyke was thoroughly feeling the heat and would have been completely under pressure.
1: You know, which is why he made an attacking substitution at half time, sending on J. Rodriguez in place of the ineffective Stephen. Mason Mount brought a save from Pope after quick passes with half a dozen Chelsea players linking with each other with impudent ease. It was sort of free flowing football that deserved a more incisive conclusion. I felt Chelsea were short of clinical AD in front of the goal.
0: Exactly, I feel that for all their domination, Chelsea needed a second goal. When it came just a couple of minutes after those Burnley chances, it was not from flowing football but from their opposition's inability to defend a set piece, something an old centre half like Dyche will find infuriating. Mount crossed in from the right and an unmarked Zuma scored with a firm header. But wasn't that the end for Burnley's suffering, was it? Yeah, it soon got worse for the home
2: side as Ashley Westwood's pass down the left was found by Reese James, who found Zayek to set Warner up free in the area. And Warner had time to transfer the ball to his right foot, and Pope had no chance because we all know what Warner's right foot is capable of. But one thing I did find slightly controversial was that offside call that, you know, uh, Oliver Giroux faced after coming on and scoring. Was that really legitimate, do you think?
1: But if you have seen the replays you will see that Oliver Giroud was actually correctly flagged for offside after beating Pope. But overall Chelsea should be happy as they are flying high again as Lampard didn't fail to point out. He said that they had controlled massive parts of the game and he was happy with their performance and it proved that they were on the right track. A side that should be worried however is Burnley as they have just failed
2: to find form. Exactly so Burnley's winless start has them stuck at the bottom of the table after their opening 6 games. But manager Sean Dyke says that there is no question of his team panicking. He says, I don't panic in general to be honest, I'm not that sort of fella. And I think that's true to some extent, you know, panicking won't really change anything. Structure, organization and hard work, these are the things that actually you need
0: to change your fortunes. And this is what Burnley will have to depend on. Next up, we had Liverpool vs West Ham. Liverpool faced West Ham and Anfield, they bet the Hammers 2-1 with Salah and substitute Yota stealing it even being one goal down. Uh, we are seeing the depth in Liverpool's squad this season. Exactly, the all reliable front
1: three were not able to turn the tables, so Klopp had to introduce some players from the bench and they brought the three points home. Shakiri and Yota changed the game for Klopp. Both of them had a great time, they started blazing the guns from the beginning. There was a buildup with Salah, Yota, and Mane but the goal was ruled out by war. And it was Shakiri whose cheeky pass led to the finish. Shakiri sounded happy after his part in the
2: game. Exactly, there is a lack of goal threat from this Liverpool side we are seeing. See we are talking about the front three but it's basically only the wingers who actually do the jobs. We can't really expect goals from this midfield because players like Nibikita and Thiago Alcantara are left out injured. Even Van Dijk is out so there is less threat from corners also. Bobby Firmino gets a place in the starting eleven due to the different aspects of his game. A striker expected in, uh, that who is playing in a club like Liverpool is expected to reach double figures of goal every year. And you have seen players like even Philippe Coutinho who is not a striker register those huge numbers. So of course a striker will have to give more goals. The only reason that Bobby is playing is his ability to create space for Salah and Mane drop, dropping back as well as helping the midfield guarantees his spot.
0: There were some questions regarding Yotta's signing in the summer, but I do have to say Klopp knows his boys. Yes, certainly.
2: Yota becomes the second player to sole, uh, score in all of his first three Premier League appearances at An- Anfield after Luis Garcia. Our listeners will be familiar with the name as he had been the marquee player for ATK in the inaugural season of the India Super League. Uh, Yota is giving competition to the front three for a
0: spot in the signed starting lineup and his pace and ball control is Really, some serious threat going forward. Firmino might lose his spot. Uh, how do you think Yota can fit in the starting level?
1: His favorite position is the left wing, which is occupied by Sadio So, if we keep Yota in the left and Mani can play as center forward, Yota can also play in Firmino's place as he had done in the Wolves' days. What do you
2: think about uh, Salah's penalty? I think the challenge by the Congo international Arthur Masuaka was rather a clumsy one. It was minimal contact, but Salah's theatrics, as we know, won him the penalty. The VAR was also on the red side and we know that Salah never disappoints from a penalty. He is always good at spot kicks. We are still not talking about
0: the unsung hero, Nathaniel Phillips.
1: Yes, he was going to leave the club in the summer transfer window and now he's starting alongside Yo Gomez in absence of Matip and Van Dijk. The goal Liverpool
0: considered was even Joe Gomez's fault. Phillips was the man of the match, that says it all I guess. Next up we have Manchester United vs Arsenal at Old Trafford. Arsenal ended their 14-year-old dry run by winning away from at United, the last one in 2006. Phew! Long time. The match didn't have a lot of goals and it was one Aubameyang penalty that sealed the deal for the Gunners. United tried to rally but came no close to an equalizer than when Donny van Beek's cross flicked off Mohamed Eleni and then into the face of goalkeeper Bernard Leno before bouncing to safety off a post. It was not the greatest contest between the two clubs who used to fight it out for the biggest prizes but are now a pale imitation of their former selves. While Arsenal will be delighted at the deserved victory, this was not the kind of United performance that did justice to the memory of the club legend Nobby Stills, who died on Friday. Do you think Oli is finally running out of luck? See, being a United fan, I can partly agree. In the previous weeks, we have also seen United have
1: scraped off wins. Also, United are really bossing it in the UCL. I personally feel it's more to do with the individual players rather than the tactics. Ole played a midfield diamond with Pogba as LCM, McTominay as a right centre midfielder, and Bruno as the main creator and Fred playing as a holding midfield player. So, in a midfield diamond, the CMs have to be very energetic and play box to box and also to provide curling crosses in the box. However, Paul Pogba was not tracking
2: back and which led to open spaces for Valyan and Bellerin to exploit. Exactly, Pogba is not a fit in the system, he doesn't press a lot and he doesn't drag back to help the defence. It's still questionable as to what his actual position is. In Juventus he excelled because there was Pirlo behind him pulling the strings. Now he isn't number 10 either because when Ole subbed off Bruno, Pogba played Bruno's role and Van der Beek played as the LCM but still Pogba couldn't deliver. I personally feel Pogba is played best as an attacking 8 on the left hand side of a midfield 3 with
0: less defensive duties. It was also Pogba who gave away that cheap penalty by fouling Belleri in the box. Ole has to buckle up and tweak his position to fit in Pogba. As of now Pogba is more of a liability rather than an asset. Enough over the Red Devils, let's talk Gunners baby. See Arsenal were clearly the better side. They played fluid attacking football and created a lot of chances
1: which sadly weren't converted. Oba and Saka were combining beautifully on the left wing. Arteta has clearly stepped up his game and it's evident. For me the star man was Thomas Partey. Arsenal played in a 3-4-3 formation. The wing backs were generally pushed up which meant Arsenal actually had two main midfield of Partey and Elneny. Arsenal were outnumbered in the midfield yet Partey bossed it. He broke up a lot of United counters, held the ball while provided a lot of progressive passes. We know him as a central defensive midfielder, a dog of the pitch. But you know, he really plays as a creator and which is very rare considering uh, the number of CDMs in today's generation. He attacks, defends and passes and tackles. I think he's the best signing made by Arsenal and could certainly become this generation Patrick Vieira.
0: The last match we are going to talk about today is another London club. Tottenham bet Brighton 2-1 thanks to Kane's 149th Premier League goal and the first goal by Bale since returning to Tottenham. Kane converted from the spot kick after a clumsy jump by Adam Lallana on him. Is Tottenham good enough to win the Premier League? See, I'll be honest, I don't really
2: think so because even in this game, the opponent was seen having over 56% ball possession against a team like Tottenham. They had less threat going forward in this match. They're not in the in the same position yet as the other you know top teams are. Moreover, it's the EPL. The other teams like Liverpool and City are just better than than right now.
0: Yes, and also Bale is back in goal for Tottenham.
2: Yeah, after seven years, he's still the kid for Tottenham.
1: His he I he sealed the game for Tottenham, but he's a different player now. I think we we'll need more time. Only time can bring back the flying Welsh, running down the flanks so far that no one can catch up to his
2: pace, and scoring from outside the box. Let's see when he gets this form back. We are also seeing two
0: different players in the midfield of Tottenham.
2: Yeah, firstly there's Hoiberg, a good signing by Mourinho from Southampton. He dominated the midfield, coming up with the most number of successful passes and gained possession 8 times, a joint team high with Sissoko. He was at the heart of every attack. The next player of course is Ndombele. There are huge similarities with Paul Pogba I feel for this player. First of all, both are French. Secondly, when they play well, they are the best midfielders on the field. When they don't, they are a complete mess. This match of course, Nombele was the latter one. He made just 16 successful passes and lost possession 11 times before being substituted. This was not the player
0: that Tottenham had played record money for. Also Lampte scored a controversial equalizer but there is some serious talent there. You know, there had been a foul on Heiberg in the build-up of the goal and the goal was given
1: by the referee after a long session on the monitor. Some of the big clubs like Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich are keeping tabs on the 20-year-old Chelsea academy graduate.
0: This ends our episode for the day. Hope you had an amazing time hearing us out. If you like our podcast, don't forget to follow us on whichever platform you are listening to us. You can contact us on Instagram and Facebook at football underscore extra underscore podcast. That extra with an X. Your reviews will be appreciated. Until next time, stay safe.